welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, we are going to be in Matthew 28 first, and then we'll move over to Acts 13, so you may want to find both of those places. Now, I've got this theory. It's not actually a theory. It's a conviction uh, about something that's very important to me. And my theory is this, is that college kids are dumb. Now, if you're here and you are a college kid or you have somebody that you love as a college kid, I'd like to apologize for saying that, but I'm not going to because I'm not wrong. College kids are dumb, and I know that because I was a dumb college kid, and when I was a college kid, I was surrounded by college kids that were dumb with me. Uh, an example of this is uh, when I was a freshman in college, one of my friends who I was roommating with, he, he come in one day, and he was all excited, come in from class, and he's like, dude, of course, this was 2006, so it's more like, dude, right? Uh, he's like, dude. He's said, there is a giant chicken somewhere in Russellville. And I'm like, okay. He's like, no, I heard some people over talking or talking about this in class. He said, somewhere it's by like some storage facilities. There's this like 15, 10 foot, 15, 10, 15 foot tall chicken out in the middle of nowhere. He said, we have to find it. And I'm like, why do we have to find it? He looks at me. He goes, we're going to find it and we're going to climb it. And I looked at him like he was the dumbest person in the world. And then I said, yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Uh, let's do that. And so for the next like week, our mission was to find this 10 foot tall chicken so that we could climb it. And we were doing like we were driving all over the place. I'm sure somebody had to call the law on us because we're circling around like back lots of places trying to figure out where this thing is. And then after a week of searching, we finally found it. Now we didn't stop then because it was daylight and we weren't real sure about the legality of climbing 10-foot chickens. So we went back at 2 o'clock in the morning to climb this particular chicken. I got a picture coming up of, of this chicken. And uh, so, so we pulled up, and yeah, it's a true story, true story. Uh, we pulled up, and, and we, we, you know, looked around, and we kind of stealthily moved over here, and we climbed on top of, the, top of this chicken, and then we did what all criminals do. We took pictures of ourselves and put it on Facebook, uh, but we, we found this chicken. Now, this was a major moment for us. It wasn't long. We were both sitting on top of the chicken. It wasn't long until we figured out this can no longer just be the 10-foot chicken of Russellville. This chicken is now part of the family. And we named him Carl. True story. Two weeks ago, I found Carl in Little Rock. I took a picture of him and I sent it to my friend. I'm like, dude! And he's like, dude, that's Carl! And we were all like excited and talking about it. And as we were leaving the restaurant that Carl was out front of, I waved and I was like, bye Carl, see you next time. And this tells you what it's like to be married to me. My wife goes, what? She goes, oh, you're talking to the chicken. And then just went on. Now, now, the reason I bring that up is I wanted to think about what would cause us to do something so silly of that. And I recall back at college, we were living with like this one purpose in mind. And the purpose was learn and be smart, right? The purpose was enjoy the experience. And because we had this, this desire to enjoy the experience, we were willing to do anything and everything because we can only do it once. Story about a college kid climbing a chicken, funny. 35-year-old preacher climbing a chicken, weird, needs some help, right? We can't do that anymore. But because we had a purpose, it led to a mission. And what I want to talk to us about this morning is as we come together as a church, we, we come to a church and we are a church of purpose. Uh, last week we started a new series called Ecclesia, and, and we were studying like what is the 
function of the church. And here's what we learned just very briefly. Uh, the word ecclesia is what is translated in your Bibles as church. When you see that, the Greek word was ecclesia. And that word translated literally means the called out assembly. That means it is those of us who have been called out of the world by God, assembling and connecting and building something together. And that this assembly, this called out assembly, you and me as a local church, our purpose is to glorify God. Amen, right? Now, if we come together to glorify God, if we meet with a purpose, that, that will give us a, a mission. Purpose leads to mission. Now, our purpose is why we exist. Our mission is what do we do with our existence? So we look today at the scripture, and I said last week we have a purpose is to glorify God. What do we do now that we exist? Now, we're very blessed as Christians. God, God knew that we were dumb. He calls us, he calls us sheep because sheep are, are very dumb creatures and they need a lot of guidance. And so God gave us a lot of guidance. And so we don't have to meet here and say, well, what is our mission? What are we going to do? We don't have to come up with a lot of fancy words for mission. The Bible spells out our mission as a church for us. And what God wants us to do that will ultimately glorify him. I know I told you Matthew 28, stay there, I'll be in a second. But this is Matthew uh, 6, Listen to what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is talking and he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus is speaking about what is our focus as followers of Christ. Our focus is to seek the kingdom of God. What that, what that means is we're seeking the kingdom of God. It's not like looking under bushes and trying to find it. Seeking the kingdom of God means that our utmost desire, our utmost mission is to see God's rule complete on earth. We want to see the entire world surrendered and subject to our Savior. That is what our mission is. That, that is why we exist, or that's what our purpose leads us to. We want to see the end of sin, the end of rebellion, and the end of consequences of sin. So your first take-home truth this morning is, our mission is to seek for the world to submit to Christ. Our mission is to seek for the world to submit to Christ. If you're here this morning, I want you to know, if you're not submitted to Christ, guess what our mission is? We're trying to get you to Christ. You have been prayed over. You have been prayed for. You have probably been cried over at some point. We want to see people come to Christ. Now, with the mission, God also gives us instructions. And that's what you'll find in Matthew 28. Read with me if you've got your Bibles. This is going to be verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Now, if you've been here more than one week in a row, that sounds somewhat familiar, right? Why is that? We say it at the end. We close with, with a repetition of this. We, we do that for two reasons. The reason we say this every single week is number one is repetition is a good reminder. It's a good way to put something in our minds. I reminded one time of a church they were looking for a pastor and they went through several pastors and they didn't like any of them and suddenly this guy came and he preached this sermon and it was about loving your neighbor and it just blew the socks off the church. They were like, this, this is the guy. This was great. And so they hired him that morning. They said, we want you to be your pastor. He said, I want to be your pastor. And so the next week, all those people were back, but they had called everybody that had missed the week before and all the friends said, you got to hear this pastor. He is great. And they gathered together and they were excited. And the pastor got up there and he preached the exact same message on loving your neighbor. 
And everybody thought, well, that's a, that's a little weird, but you know, there's a lot of people here who needed to hear that that weren't here last week, so it's a good thing. Third Sunday comes around, he gets up, he preaches the exact same sermon again. Now people are getting concerned. By the fourth Sunday, people are complaining the deacons, and the deacons are mad. And they come up to the pastor and they say, why do you keep preaching the same sermon? Is that all you have is one sermon? And this is what he said. He said, when we get the first thing down, then we will move on to the second thing. When we begin to live it, then we will learn something else. See, we repeat this because, fr frankly, we need to apply it to our heart every single week. We need it in us that this is our mission and this is our desire. Secondly, secondly, this is to deploy us as we leave. We say it at the end of service because as we leave here, I want to remind you, no matter what we've preached this morning, no matter what we've learned, no matter what songs we sing, we're going into the world and we're on mission the second that we step out the doors. We're on mission for Christ at that moment. So our mission is broken into, into two basic components for us. Uh, your second take-home truth is we accomplish our mission by point A, making disciples everywhere. That's what the, the scripture calls us to do. It says make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. So we call this evangelism. What that simply means is to make disciples, it is up to you and me to do everything in our power to spread the gospel across the world, across our local area, uh, across the United States, across North America, South America, everywhere. Everything within our power as a group of believers here, we want people to hear the gospel. We want people to hear the simple truth that there is a God and he does have standards and his standard is perfection. And you, because you are a human being, you have failed at that standard. And because of that, there is a judgment where you have chosen to separate yourself from God. He honors that and he separates you from him eternally in hell. But the good news about that is that while that applies to everybody, is that that same God who stands as a righteous judge is also a merciful God who provided a way out by sacrificing his son on the cross. We need to spread that message to everybody. Now, if you grew up in Bible Belt America, which is where we are now, and many of us grew up here, even if you didn't go to church, you probably heard that to some degree. Jesus, cross, good, heaven. You had that connection. There are people across the world who have never heard the name Jesus Christ. There are people in our communities who have a vague understanding of church and the name of Jesus, but they have no understanding who they are. Let me sound the alarm. These generations that are coming up, my generation rejected God, rejected faith, and moved away from it. They are raising kids now who have never set foot in a church. I've shared with you before, I had a student one time, I just briefly mentioned Noah's Ark. And at the end of class, he raised his hand and said, what's Noah's Ark? Zero exposures to the scripture. Now more than ever in our lifetime, is it important for us to be able to spread effectively the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ and bring people to him. Secondly, we accomplish our mission by point B, growing disciples in knowledge. It says, teaching them all the things I have commanded you, teaching all of Christ's commands. We call this discipleship, making disciples and growing them in knowledge of what the Bible teaches them. See, faith is often compared to a plant in Scripture. Faith is a plant, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm the worst person to talk about plants because I have a black thumb. I know some of you can plant things and make them grow. I can't because I'm not detailed and oriented enough. Here's what I see out of people that are great with planning things is that they take a lot of time to nurture and understand the needs of that plant. 
Miss Glenita, if you want to talk to her, she'll be like, yeah, this plant needs sun. This plant needs water this often. She knows all that stuff. And so you put it where it needs sun, when it needs sun, and you water it when, you, when it needs water, and you feed it when it needs fed. You take care of a plant with the nutrients. When I say feed, I mean put the nutrients in the soil, not like, you know, baby spoon. But, but we, we do that. And faith is the same way. In order for faith to grow, God's plan was that our faith would be nurtured by other Christians. That is God's plan for your faith right now. If you want to follow him, his plan for you to grow is that he's going to put other followers of Christ in your life. If you're wondering who those are, please look around. And they're going to build your faith and grow your faith. And his plan for you is that he's going to use you to build and nurture other people's faith as well. So we come together as a church and we do these two things. We, we make disciples everywhere in any way we can. We grow other disciples in knowledge. And we do these things, point C, by moving with Christ. I want to be very clear when we talk about the Great Commission. You will never accomplish the Great Commission by yourself. It's not your mission. It's God's mission that he chooses to use us in. We don't accomplish his mission. He accomplishes his mission through us. It's his authority. He says that he is with us. He does the work. He brings people to faith. He grows them. All we do is make ourselves available to be a tool that he uses. Now, the reason I bring this up in this, in this Ecclesia series is, as we learned last week, church is not a building. It's not a name. It's not an organization. Church is you and me. So if the Great Commission is the mission of the church, it's not the mission of Brian the pastor at Ramsey Heights, it's your individual mission. It's for you to be doing as well as me to be doing. All of us have an equal responsibility to do this. The Great Commission is a community mission carried out by individuals. Each individual working with our own gifts and our own places of influence take our mission out into the world. So your third take-home truth this morning is, is our mission is a community mission carried out by individuals. Uh, we see this as we should in the Bible. We see a picture of this. Last week, I directed you to the Acts chapter 2, and we saw um, a picture of the church in Jerusalem. And we saw what it looks like to be a true ecclesia, to be a true church. We see that these people are with each other all of the time, that they are caring for each other, that they are worshiping together, that they're learning and sending under teachers, and they're growing each other. We saw that in Acts chapter 2. This week in Acts chapter 13, I want to look at the church in Antioch and what it says about them. Now, just some background on this particular city and the church within it. Uh, Antioch is a city in what is now modern-day Syria. It's a city of about 100 to uh, 300,000 people. And so when you think of this, think of like New Orleans or St. Louis or something like that. And it sits in the middle of a bunch of major trade routes in the region. A bunch of different major trade routes in the region. And so what's happening is that Christians are moving here mostly because there's a persecution in Jerusalem. The church is, is spreading and they're fleeing. And many of them spread to Antioch where they begin to gather, where they begin to be the church as they should, an assembly of followers of Christ, those that are called out. Two individuals you'll see here are Barnabas and Paul, who are individuals who have gone through and are still going through at this time that discipleship process where they've come to Christ, they're growing their faith, and they're going to begin to pour back out. If you've got your Bibles with me, this is in Acts chapter 13. We're just going to read verses 1 through 3 and see a picture of the church of Antioch. 
Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. That Saul, by the way, is Paul. Saul Paul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them. They sent them away. So listen to what the, the picture of Acts gives us. Look at what's listed. It says, first, within this church there were prophets and teachers. Now a prophet is someone who receives a message straight from God and then they are able to pour that out into other people. So you will not see that today like you did in the early church because today the message from God has been sent to us and you're holding it in your hand or on your phone or whatever. This is the teaching that God has revealed to us about how we are to live. Now these, these prophets would give knowledge at this time and then teachers were people who were able to take that knowledge and make it understandable. So what we have here is a picture of if you've got prophets and teachers, there are people who are earnestly seeking to understand what God has for their lives. There is a picture of discipleship and a function of our church in every true church is that we grow in knowledge about who God is what his expectations are, who I am without him versus who I am with him, how to deal with life. And I want to encourage you, if, if you don't do this, I want to encourage you to get a Bible and be in it daily. You should be studying the Word of God yourself. But you also need to sit under other Christians who have spent their lives studying the Bible. Friday night, myself and several others from church, we went to hear Jared preach. And I'll tell you, I'm a pastor. He's preaching on the same thing I've already prepared a message for this morning. And I was convicted because I sat under the teachings of a good teacher. You need to be in the Word yourself, but we also need to be under teachers and learning from them. Now, what we see with teaching is, is it's not just a mental knowledge. Read with me verse 2 again. See if this doesn't sound a little weird. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. That sounds a little weird, doesn't it? What does it mean to minister to the Lord? Because when I read that, I think minister, I think preacher, I think ministry, I think church, and I think some kind of like the person on the stage is what I think of when I hear minister or ministry. But it is based, that word minister means to serve someone. If you minister to someone, you are serving them. And so what you see in these people here at Antioch is not just are they learning in a knowledge way. These people are servants of God. Here's what we learned about discipleship from this. Discipleship is not just head knowledge. It's not just knowing what the Bible says. It's not just being at church and listening to somebody talk. Discipleship is learning how to uh, follow God in action. D discipleship is learning how to serve. So that brings us to your fourth take-home truth is discipleship is growing in knowledge and action. Uh, last week as I, as I opened the Word and we looked at what a what a church really is and what it's supposed to be, I challenged you and I ask you, when you think of church, do you think of church in the biblical sense? Do you think of church as a called out assembly? And this week I want to challenge you one more time. When you think of church, when you think of Ramsey Heights, is this what we think of with a church? Is it a place where I gather with others and we have a joint responsibility to spread the gospel? and a joint responsibility to be discipled and to disciple? 
If not, I just want to ask us to, to lean in a little bit more, to seek to sit under teaching, to also seek to be taught in how to, to be a servant in action in this way. Uh, my dad goes to a church in, in Cabot, and he's obviously an older gentleman in that church. And um, I was always impressed with this one young man who came to this church. This young man had been in the Air Force, and so he moved around all the time. And he would be in this church for a couple years in this church. And he had been stationed at, at Little Rock. And uh, so he began attending my dad's church, and he was there. And one day he walked up to my dad and just really hadn't known him anything but his name. And, and he flat out came to him and he said, Will you be my mentor? What, what a weird thing to walk up to somebody. But that's a Christian thing. Because what he knew is church. Church was not just about going and sitting and listening. Church was about being in a place where you could be grown. And he was actively seeking somebody to grow his faith. He sought out an older man who I assume he just saw a white beard and had talked to him a couple times. That's what God calls us to do. That's what God wants us to be looking for here at church. And that's what God wants us to be available to do as we come to church. So I want to challenge all of us, myself included, to take uh, steps to grow. Here at Ramsey Heights, we define discipleship with an ABC process, the ABCs of being a disciple. And what our plan is, is we believe that, that uh, discipleship is a process that you go through. And we are always hoping that you take the next step in the process of growing closer to this church and growing closer, closer to God in discipleship. The A and the ABCs of discipleship is adore God. These will sound familiar to you as well. I close with these every week. Adore God simply means that the first step of being a disciple is we take time and we set aside as a church. We come together and we adore God and we worship Him in praise, which we've done this morning, and we worship Him in giving our attention to His Word and studying His Word, which is what we're doing this morning. Congratulations, you are effectively being discipled in step A. I hope that this is important to you week in and week out, that you commit to this, that you are here, and that it means something to your life, that it's not just a habit. But discipleship is more than just this hour on Sunday morning. Uh, step B is what we call bridge gaps. Uh, bridge gaps simply means that we want you to get into a community of believers who can build you up. We think the best way that you can do this is to get in a small group. That means either come here at our, at our small group time at 10 o'clock or to be here on Wednesday night and we have a really good study. And we sit around with other believers and we open the Word of God and we build relationships with each other and we begin to learn. Listen, if you want to learn about the Bible, get in a room with 10 other people who want to learn about the Bible. And we had a great class this morning. I was in class and it was just wonderful. Like everybody's talking and we're looking at this and we're excited. It was like, this is great. This is what heaven's going to be like. Everybody is so happy. But you need that. And if you haven't been joining us in that, I just want to encourage you to do that. And, and third, what we hope to do, if you, if you are both adoring God and, and worship services, if you're bridging gaps in a small group and meeting people and growing and studying the Word of God together, we hope that you will, number or C of that is we hope that you will cultivate the kingdom. Jesus said this, he said, the harvest is many, but the workers are few. Now think about that for just a second. Or the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, I guess is what he said. What Jesus is saying is, hey, there's a lot of work out there to be done. There's a lot of people that will come to Christ if somebody will introduce it to him, but there's not enough people doing it. I think that comment was angled strictly at us. Because there's a lot of people that have been harvested who have come to know Christ who never turn around and pour back into his kingdom. 
And so we want to encourage you, if, if you are adoring God, if you're bridging gaps, to take that to the next step to find a place of service in some capacity. Here at Ramsey Heights, I believe with all of my heart, the person who prepares this worship space for us to meet is just as important as the people who are teaching class. It is about serving God with whatever gifting God gives us. So I encourage you to take that next step. And in Antioch, you see that these functions and this discipleship of people growing in knowledge and action leads to something more. As you grow as a believer of Christ, things will begin to develop in your heart. God will begin to call you to more and more things as you mature in your faith. You see that at Antioch here, everything's going great. They've got their church. They're growing disciples. They're teaching. There's prophets there. Everything is growing great. And then suddenly, God calls a few of them and says, now it's time for you to leave this church and make disciples of all nations. I love the way that the Great Commission puts it. The Great Commission says, you go make disciples, then you grow disciples. But in function, here's what we see. Disciples were being made, and then those disciples went to make disciples. So as we grow in our faith, as we grow in our understanding, we, we, begin, we begin to have a desire to serve and to see other people come to him in that same way. And what you see in these verses is Paul and Barnabas were sent out. There's, there's a very simple word for this that you've probably heard. We, we call these people missionaries. Missionaries are people who leave the comfort of where they are at to spread the gospel to other places. Now, I believe this. I believe that if you are a follower of Christ, if you're a part of a church, that you are a missionary. That's why every week we say, you are not dismissed, you are. Don't go anywhere, not yet. We're not done, okay? Because we're sending you into the world. Because we are leaving here and we are deploying into the world around us. I believe that every person that is a follower of Christ in a church is a missionary to some degree because the Bible tells us to reach all nations. Did you know that the United States is a nation too? We had a pastor when I was growing up here, Brother Mike Ball, and he had been a missionary to the Bahamas. And if God ever calls me to missions, please send me to the Bahamas, right? I know people, you know, beating around the jungles of Africa, and he's out here on the beach uh, having church in a tiki hut. But anyway, he, he told this story of a young man who, who he had witnessed, who had come to Christ, who was being discipled in that church. He said, this young man, his ultimate desire and his calling was to be a missionary to the United States. This young man from the Bahamas said, I want to go to the United States and tell people about Jesus there. That should hit us in the gut when people from other countries are saying, we want to come to your country and talk about Jesus because we should be talking about Jesus in our own country. And as we gather here and as we talk about going out and being missionaries, Ramsey Heights wants to reach people for Christ locally. We want to reach people in Independence County for Christ. We want people in Batesville and Southside, Arkansas to know who he is. We want to reach Clearview and Riverview neighborhoods, Buffalo Creek. We want to reach White River Medical Center. We want to reach Batesville School District and Southside School District. We want to reach Bad Boy and Intimidator. And that's where we send you off to each week is to go be a missionary to whatever your realm of influence is, whether it's your neighborhood or the place that you work or your friend groups, to go grow people in Christ. But also, that's not all we're called to. We're called to reach all nations and all corners of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verse 3, I love the way that they did this. Read with me verse 3 again. It says, if I can find it, it says, Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them, that's Paul and Barnabas, they sent them away. Here's what I see about sending missionaries. Missionaries is not an individual mission. It's a communal mission that we send an individual on. This church came together 
and prayed for these men. They supported them. They laid hands on them, which, by the way, is not a, it's not a magic thing. Laying hands is just a symbol of blessing, connection, and support. And they prayed for these missionaries, and they sent them off to spread the gospel. See, the responsibility of an ecclesia, the responsibility of a church, is to support those that we call in the world. That's your fifth take-home truth is a church sends and supports missionaries to make disciples in all nations. Let me put it this way. You may not physically go to the mission field. God may not call you to Mexico or Africa or Asia. So you may not go physically, but we go in heart. We desire for people to be blessed by the gospel of Jesus Christ in those areas. And we desire for the people who are physically going to be successful in their mission. Now, none of us here that I'm aware of are going on the mission field any soon, anytime soon, at least not yet. It would be great if God worked in one of us and sent us there. Not me, God, somebody else, please. So what we do, because we're not sending a particular missionary out from this church, is we partner with other churches and we support the missionaries that we collectively send. That, that's our conviction. That's what we do. And I just want to say this. Uh, as I was reading this this week, I, I was looking at this, and, and uh, we are a missionary Baptist church. That means missionary is very important to us. We are a church that talks a lot about missions and talks a lot about spreading the gospel. Uh, but it just occurred to me as I was reading this, and I saw the church at Antioch play, praying over their missionaries. It occurred to me, we don't pray for our missionaries. And that's on me. Uh, we're going to correct that soon as we're going to take time to focus on our missionaries and send supportive prayers to them and for them. But as we, look at, as we look at this, what we do now is we do our best to support our missionaries. We're going to begin to do that with prayer. At this point, we support missionaries financially because the biggest need of our missionaries is financial um, help to get them where they are and to keep them there. Got some pictures coming up of some of some different missionaries. The first ones you're going to see is the Quillmans. These are our missionaries to Zambia. Um, they have left. They're actually from Jonesboro. They have left Jonesboro, Arkansas, called off to Africa to spread the gospel. Uh, Michael was here not very long ago, not here at Ramsey Heights. He was one of, uh, one of our associational churches. This was uh, shared with me, and he was sharing with them. He said, what we really need is we need the funds to be able to get a well in our village that the church can use to reach people. And he shared with us that right before he left, one of the young girls in their village had been um, tragically attacked and killed by a crocodile as she was trying to get uh, water out of the river and he said so here's what we need he said we need we need a well and that church brought that to us to all the other churches in our association that we know together they said look michael quillman is over there they need a well for their people and our association was able to send him five thousand dollars to get this well dug for him we support other missionaries like doug lee who is one of our missionaries to the philippines he recently contacted a pastor in our association and said, I've got seven people that I want to send out to plant churches. The problem is we don't have buildings for them to plant churches in. We want, we want to be able to give them. And so the association came together, about 19 or 20 churches from central Arkansas that are like-minded. We came together and we discussed it. Money that came from Ramsey Heights and these other churches, we sent them $10,000 to begin building church buildings there. If we look at other missionaries, we have Joe Costa and his family, which are missionaries in Lebanon. They use money that is sent to them from the United States to care for the needs of people that are severely hurt in Lebanon. And they use that as an opportunity to begin sharing the gospel with them. They use the funds that we give them to make sure they have the opportunity to reach people all throughout the Middle East online and have conversations with, with diehard Muslims about who Jesus Christ is and what he offers them. And they're seeing people come to Christ. 
last fall on our special offering, we were able to uh, send just Ramsey Heights. We were able to send Joe Costa and his ministry $1,500 from our extra offerings that month. Um, the next group of missionaries we have are in Papua New, Gu uh, Papua New Guinea. These are the Hambras, the Richardsons, the Richards, and the Sanders families. They've gone to Papua New Guinea to reach a mountain tribe called the Wanakia people. If your kids came to uh, VBS, they heard about the, this, uh, this mission. These groups of people went to the Wanakia people and they said, we want, to, we want to support you in some way. We want to come to know you and we want to share the gospel of Christ with you. And they did this by first learning the language of the Wanakia people. And sharing the gospel with them in their own language. And then they said, these people need the word of God in their own language. And so not only did they learn the language, they had to create an alphabet and grammar rules for the language, create a written language, and they began translating our Bible into their language so they could hear the word of God for themselves. They're still there. They, they will be the uh, subject of our, our special offering this October. Another mission thing that we support here is Water for Christ, where we give people the opportunity to, uh, or we give this company the opportunity, this missions group, the opportunity to go drill wells in Africa. And they use this as a way of telling people about the need for water and the need for the living water, who is Jesus Christ. Ramsey Heights supports them with enough money to uh, dig two wells each year. And lastly, just here in Arkansas, this is uh, Brother Johnny Shu coming up here. He's planting a church in, in Flippin, Arkansas. And in the past couple of years since they began to plant this church, not even having a building, they've seen over 20 people come to know Christ. We support them. The money that we send with our association, we send $6,000 a year to Brother Johnny Shu through the association. And what I want you to know is that when we come together as a church, everything that we do here, this is not about a show. This is about you and I coming together and reaching the nations by supporting those who are going to the nations. We want to see people come to Christ, and we make that a priority. At Ramsey Heights, our first budget item, so long as I'm pastor, will always be missions giving and making sure that we're there. Now, what I want to ask you as we begin to, to close out today, what I want to ask you this is, are you, Ecclesia, Brother Rick, if you want to start coming up here, are you the church as the Bible describes it? Have you been called out and accepted Jesus as your Savior? Are you assembled with the membership? Do you participate in the purpose by connecting with other people and glorifying God as we reflect his character? And are you part of the mission, serving to make disciples in this community and giving supporting ministries in other communities? Because ultimately, come on guys, ultimately this was God's plan. God's plan was that he would give you the gift of salvation for no cost. Salvation is free. But in doing so, he knows that our hearts should be changed, that we should want more of him, that we should desire to be like him and to serve him. This morning, my one challenge to you is this, is do not leave here the same way that you walked in. I want to ask you how you can be more connected to the church, how you can serve him better, and how you can love him more. Let's stand and worship, please.